Sydney sounds like. Stay open. Holly came from Miami, FLA. Hitchhiked away across USA. Plucked her eyebrows on the way, shaved her legs, and then he was a she. She says, Hey, babe, take a walk on the wild side. Said, Hey, honey, take a walk on the wild side. Hello, craft beer friends, and welcome to another episode of Tap the Craft Podcast. I am Denny Luce, and I'm coming to you from Boise, Idaho, and my partner in craft, head brewer, and owner of Trek Brewing in Columbus, Ohio, is John Ream. And John, how are you doing today, and what is in your glass? I'm doing all right. Tired. Been working hard at the brewery, trying to get things pulled together, and uh, so nice to have a little break. And I'm enjoying uh, something you recommended, the Sierra Nevada Hot Bullet. Oh, okay, good. So, is it yeah. is it is it meeting your expectations, or is it just ah? Uh... I'm enjoying it. It's nice to just see. It's uh, pretty drinkable. And if you handed this to me and just said, "Yeah, hey, it's an IPA," and I'm like, "Oh, cool." And then, like, three more later, I'm like, yeah. whoa, yeah. that was 8%? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, that, that, that it was drinks the, real smooth. Yeah, that's the thing. Oh. It's, it's a double IPA that's really smooth and and not uh, over the top. And I, I, I could actually drink a couple without feeling like I'm just heavy down with that double IPA. So, good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Well, hey, we're not alone. We have what? Our, yeah, we have our buddy. After a long vacation in Las Vegas, he's back. Our Wells bro from Tampa, Florida, Mr. Chris McKenzie. How are you doing, Chris? And also, what is in your glass? Hey, guys. I'm doing fantastic tonight. Uh, in my glass, I have from Microphone Brewing in Wisconsin. Yeah, Wisconsin. Uh, their Untitled Art, which is a hazelnut imperial stout. Oh, um, and this is getting to be borderline like uh, our angry chair stuff. This is um, very, very heavy on the hazelnuts uh, aromas and flavors, but um, poured like motor oil. As, uh, <laughs> but it's really tasty. Okay. A little roast, a little roasty at the end. I'm, I'm enjoying this one. So, so Mike, microphone. <laughs> Obviously, uh, 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 to me, it's a, I never heard this brewery before. Is this a fairly new brewery? It's just. Like uh, I, all the rave? I really don't know. It was just in a local bottle shop, and um, I couldn't decide what I wanted to buy. So I just threw together a six-pack, and I stayed away from my usual, oh, well, I'll get this one, and I'll get this one, because I've had it before. And I mm-hmm. went random on every single bottle just to kind of see uh, what I might find. Okay. Yeah, well, okay, did you do good? Did you? Are you enjoying what you're drinking? This is good. Um and I can't believe that this is an 11% beer because it's not hot or anything like that. It's very smooth, very easy to drink. Okay. Wow. 11%. You, you know what? You bring the big boys with you when you come to the podcast. I'm kind of behind. I need, I need to uh, get my other stout in the keg so I can, uh, oh, dogs, <laughs> surprise. Um, I need to get my stout in kegs so we can be drinking that a little bit. Oh yeah, it's, yeah. It's still winter time, so you need to get the stouts going before it gets too too hot. Yeah, but then you know, hazelnut probably could have been in that uh, trending article that we, you know, our podcast that we did because that's 
been all over the last year or so. It's becoming seems to be becoming more and more popular as an addition. Yeah, good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have seen more hazelnut stuff. I before before it used to just be like Rogue's hazelnut brown uh, was the one you saw all the time. But you're right; I've been seeing hazelnut on my shelves too. Well, what about you, Denny? What are you drinking tonight? Well, you know what? I actually, for the first time in about a month, I made it to the the co-op and picked out a variety of different beers on Saturday, yesterday. And I found a few things that, that uh, you know, I wanted to try. And one of them kind of piqued my interest. And this is uh, this beer I've had, the normal version, is from Anderson Valley out of uh, Boonesville, California. And it's a Goza. It's their G&T, their gin and tonic Goza. But this one's a little bit different. It's in a big 22-ounce bottle, and it's a barrel-aged version of their beer. And they say on the side of this bottle that this they're using a third third use barrel. So it's it, it was using it was a barrel that was used for their stout the first two times, and then they went ahead and used it for this uh, gin and tonic goza. And it does take on a little bit of that barrel character. With the it got a little bit darker, like a, it's more like an amber color versus well, I don't know. Now I hold up the light. It's not. When it's in a darker, it looks more amber, but it actually looks like a, a light amber color. Uh, normally, it's, it's pretty clear. Uh, it's It doesn't appear to be bourbon barrel or even gin barrel. I think it's just a regular wood barrel because it doesn't have any distilled spirits characteristics to it. It does take on a little bit of the, the woodiness, and I think it kind of just... At first, when I first took a few sips, I wasn't sure about it. But after drinking half of a glass now, um, it's growing on me, and I kind of—it's kind of nice. It's—I uh, yeah, think the, the woodiness. Uh, they said it, they added a little bit extra floral uh, presence to this version of their gin and tonic beer, a little bit more juniper, I think. And I think the the wood kind of tones that down a little bit, so it kind of balances out some of those floral notes that were in the beer. But uh, slight tart. A uh, little bit, so little bit of salt to it, but not too heavy, and a nice little woody character to finish off with some unique flavors. So that's what I'll be drinking. Um, I'm almost done with uh, half the bottle now. Uh, I've been drinking in my big giant 20 ounce Crux uh, Willie Becker glass. So uh, I'm about third way through the beer. All right. Well, hey, we've been talking a little bit about beer, but hey, in case there's anyone new listening to the show that wants to know what Tap to Craft is all about, let us just give you a little bit of a hint. Uh, if you're new to the show, Tap to Craft podcast is an educational podcast, and we focus around celebrating all things craft beer. We want to try and help all of our great listeners out there, uh, you know, along in their craft beer journey, you know, get some more knowledge to go out there and try new things and expand that adventure in craft beer. And you're listening to episode 93, we're recording on Sunday, February 11th, 2018. And in this episode, we will be discussing spontaneous fermentation and wild beer. As uh, we sh- also showcase three breweries or in the U.S. that uh, that actually do spontaneous fermentation beers. And uh, we want to make sure you guys, after we learn about it, can go out and find some of these beers and try them for yourself. And of course, you can count on us having some great beer conversation along the way. So let's get right into the conversation and start off with you, John. 
why don't you tell us what is going on with Trek Brewing? Let us know that opening date when you will be having customers in at the brewery. Yeah, so we'll have a little segment called Why is John Tired? You know, <laughs> um, uh, We've been uh, hard at work over at the brewery doing a ton of cleaning and you know trying to work work on a punch list and work down a punch list um, as we walk around seeing all the things that six to eight months ago were like, oh, yeah, we got to take care of that. And now we're, you know, wrapping everything up like, oh, shoot, we were supposed to take care of that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, a couple of things that made it onto Facebook um, is uh, our mural that's going up on the back wall of the uh, tap room. Um, It's uh, half of it's installed now. It's a nice uh, forest landscape. And the other half will be finished up this week. Um, so it looks really cool and, uh, it really brings the room together. So, um, I'm excited to see it finished out, uh, up there. So what, so I, I saw the picture that Kristen posted. It looks really nice. What is, uh, can you, are you going to keep it a surprise or can you let us know what the second half of the mural is going to be? Is it going to add some other elements to it? Uh, it's a continuation of the of the same scene, you know, for for hilly forest. So um, okay, it's not we're not like hiding anything. They just they got as far as they did, and they're coming back this week to finish it. Okay, <laughs> so, okay, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, another uh, awesome looking thing that ended up on Facebook uh, was our taster trace um, that uh, family friend is putting together for us. Um, that uh, comes from some uh, ash wood that came down on on his property, and you know, he's building these these uh, semicircle wood trays mm-hmm. um, that have our uh, our name wood burned into the top, and uh, got a, a live edge to him. Um, so it's pretty cool. So we're really happy with with how they turned out. Oh, nice! How how many are you gonna have uh, made? Uh, we are having, uh, 50 made. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> well, keep in mind our tap room holds 150 people. So, you know, there's a, you know, chance that we could need a lot of these at any time, <laughs> but we've also had people already asking if they could just buy one. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> we'll okay. So, okay. You'll be selling them for a nice, uh, hefty. Uh, we're not actually planning on selling them right now, but. <laughs> Uh, it, it could happen if we if we did over overshoot. So, mm. um, but yeah, taster trays is one of those things that you need a ton of when you first open, and then you don't need that many after yeah. that. Yeah, because um, when you first open, people want to just do a bunch of flights and figure out what they like, and then after that, people kind of settle in, and you don't need so many all at once. So, it's it's one of those frustrating things of trying to get the right number. Yeah. So. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've also been working on setting up untapped. We talked about a few months ago now, I think, and we're becoming a, an untapped verified venue. Um, and, uh, so we've, we've been in their system now, but we haven't done anything with it, uh, cause we didn't have the proper info really to, mm-hmm. to put in. So started putting that together. Um, it's kind of weird how it, how it works because they they keep everything separate like your venue is separate from your brewery page and then like how you interact with everything and so i actually have to like 
when it comes time to make our beers, I have to make them with my personal account. Um, and then once they give me, uh, uh, the access or the full control of our brewery page, um, which takes a while, um, apparently, um, then I guess that I'll be able to edit stuff, but I still won't be able to create beers what with my own brewery page it seems like based on the literature i don't know it it seems convoluted um the way they have it set up based on some of the stuff i've been reading but we'll see once i get full access to everything how it really works um but right now it's like all right well i have to have our um you know <clears throat> official account open i have to have my account open i have to have this other page up. <laughs> You know, so it's kind of like bouncing between a bunch of tabs to try to figure it out. But it's, uh, it's hopefully in, it'll yeah, it's be streamlined. So. Yeah, I, I was, uh, you know, I was doing the untapped for the now defunct Kilted Dragon here in, in town. And now this is going back a few years ago, but I was able to, once they gave me control of the brewery page... I mean, I opened it from scratch. I created the Untapped. I I asked for permission to, you know, to uh, to be the the verified. Well, it wasn't verified Untapped like it is now, but it, to be the. I was verified that that I was actually part of the brewery, and then uh, I, once I had control, I was able to add the beers right from the Untapped from the the Kills of Dragon Untapped account. Um, that you know, right from then. So I think once they get you full access, you'll be able to just use one account. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping that's the case. Um, but it takes like over a week, it seems now, to get them to like give you full control. Oh, uh, wow. like saying, "I guess this is me." <laughs> okay, so, so basically, you just um, got to do one do one beer, and then say, "Hey, I request uh, uh, you know control the count." And then by the time that's you open, exactly what I did, because okay. <laughs> even though we're in the system as a venue, we aren't in the system as a brewery. So I had to create a beer yeah. to create the brewery. True. To request control of the brewery. Yeah. <laughs> so gotcha. Was, you know, I was like, and I was doing it late at night and I was like, this isn't making any sense. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, we'll get it figured out. So, well, good. So, uh, quick question. <clears throat> now, you, we had talked about uh, the different options that Untapped has when you're a verified venue. Did you take the option that the, to do the, the tap list in the, in the tap room also or or not yes okay so so we we are so how does that uh did you now did they um do you provide your own screens and then just kind of pipe in the computer to the screens or do they have a whole package where you just buy their monitors and everything and then you know hook up to it no, you, you provide your own screens. Um, they do sell like what's basically a Chromecast or a keyboard mm-hmm. um, that you can use to uh, put, you know, the menus on the TVs um, or whatever screen you want to use. Um, but uh, really it's just uh, what it boils down to is it's a, it's a web page mm-hmm. that you say all you need is a browser. So anything that has a browser that you can push to your TV um, you can use to to put your your menu up. Okay. So. All right. All right. Well, yeah. it looks. I, I can't wait to see uh, examples of that when you get it all set up. It'd be cool. Yeah, that'll be going up this week, I think. So. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, we've been pushing hard, and part of that was because we had a ton of inspections happening. Um. 
we had our uh, fire system inspection, uh, which once we had that, we could get our final building inspection, uh, which we passed that. So that meant we could get our health inspection. Mm. And we passed that, which meant we could get our state inspection for our additional licensing that'll let us have like cider and wine and some guest taps at the start and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, so tons of inspections, which meant tons of cleaning and getting stuff ready to go. Um, things went pretty smooth. Uh, we had one hiccup with the building inspection that we had to put in a ramp inside the building. Um, because the, a uh, large section of the tap room had like a floating floor on it mm-hmm. um, that we took out. Um, but the floor is not level front to back in the building. So the front of the building had like an inch and three quarter drop and the back of the building was flush where it <laughs> interacts with the rest of the building. Yeah. Um, and uh, we had put in like a, a small little, little ramp in there just, you know, I mean, it, it was, I don't know, but they, they declared it a trip hazard and made us cut out the floor again and pour out a whole new ramp. Oh boy. So after they had said, we just had to put up a sign. Um, yeah, that, that was like, <laughs> this is not an ADA entrance. Go use the other entrance to this room. Okay. Um, but then they decided that it was actually a, a safety hazard, which it wasn't, but it's fine. It's done. <laughs> and then really it's, it's the only like, I mean, there a lot of people opening their breweries have tons of stories of all the problems that they've had with local and state and federal authorities, like coming in and telling them, can't do it that way. I have to do it this way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is really the only thing we've had to like, well, go back and, and fix and redo. Um, everybody's been super helpful. And I mean, they weren't mean about it really, but it was just frustrating that, we thought we had an agreement on the course of action, but mm-hmm. we didn't. Yeah. So, well, it, that's pretty good. If you had one, one, uh, mishap that you had to go and redo, that means that the guys you had working on the, all the, uh, construction stuff, they actually for, foresaw the possible problems and, and obviously, and put things in place to, you know, get around the problem in the future. So that's good. Yeah, no, we have we had a great uh, contractor that oversaw everybody, and they've actually, I mean, they're now pretty much make, carving a niche for themselves in uh, brewery projects. They've got, I think, four more in Columbus coming up, So, and they've already done, I think, four or five hmm. um, in the central Ohio area. So, but, yeah, they, they did awesome work. Um. So I think I mentioned last time that we are we're putting out the uh, the call for applications for uh, hiring our, our first uh, employees to the Trek team. Yeah, you were going to um, do interviews. Yeah, and uh, we did those interviews, and uh, we hired a couple folks. Ooh. So, um, we had our uh, our first day with them uh, yesterday. Actually, they came in and you know got some of the paperwork squared away that we have to get taken care of and doing some, some beer tasting, kind of building a, a common language between all of us and how mm-hmm. we describe stuff and all that and doing some cleaning and other things, getting helping to get us ready. So um, that, we'll be 
Oh, go ahead. I was going to say that is uh, you just. I mean, I, I hate to interrupt you, John, but you just brought up something that is very important in the breweries that I visit that are that seem to really have their act together and are really successful and have a, a great product and a great experience are ones that the staff understands the beer understands the process can uh, when a, a customer asks them about something they actually are very knowledgeable on uh, you know on what they're serving and, and can answer the questions so uh, it's I'm glad that to see that right off the bat in the first day that you start to uh, you know get people familiar with truck brewing and working there that you you know that you are getting on a common uh, you know a, a common ground when it comes to uh, what you expect you know here's the beer here's uh, you know how you know this is what we you know want to try to portray to our customers and this that and I is this something that I'm hoping that you'll be doing like uh, you know on a on a weekly basis or even daily, I guess, before shift or whatever, if there's a new beer, but at least on a weekly basis, when you know that new beers are coming out and will be tapped in the, in the next, in, in that week that you sit down with your staff and just do a, a review of the beers and, and everything. Is that something that you have uh, planned? Uh, yeah, we're, we're planning regular um, tasting and everything. And it's, you know, partly just employee education. Yeah. Um, going through it but i i also have plans that uh i want you know everybody working in the tap room to have gone through brew day as well okay. um and get them familiar with the process um so that that they can you know speak to it and understand at least the basics of what's going on and and everything and yeah. you know hopefully build a little more appreciation for you know what's coming through the tap mm-hmm. so yeah for um, sure but yeah so, uh, but overall it's, it's, uh, was a good, good first day and we'll be having them in uh, a couple times this week, I think to get things more put together. So, okay. All right. So now's the time for the big announcement for what? <laughs> well, you got your employees, they're coming in, they're learning the beer, they're drinking beer. It's gotta be opening soon, John, right? So you want our opening announcement? Yes, you have one. Our, our opening date is coming soon. <laughs> oh, it's, uh, yeah. No, we are. Uh, we are. We are. Uh, we've got a couple of soft opens planned uh, for this month. Um, uh, kind of run run through. Uh, we got an, uh, our patio party that was part of our Indiegogo mm-hmm. campaign for the patio. It's going to happen uh, this month. So we're we're gonna get the doors open, um, and then we'll have more info on a, a grand opening for ho- hopefully hopefully March if okay. we can keep enough inventory. So, okay, okay, it's almost March, yeah. so that that's getting close. Yeah, but uh, it's also possible that we kind of end up in this soft open purgatory for a little while until we can get our big system online, or until we can get all our licensing. Mm-hmm. additional licensing squared away so that we can, you know, augment our beer, um, kind of fill out the the draft list. Um, even though I expect our beer to, you know, be the focus of what people are looking for when they come in and still give them, you know, some other options. Yeah. So. All right. Yeah, that's well, the news. That's awesome. That's awesome, John. Thanks for the update. And uh, everyone heard it that uh, we'll be announcing the real, you know, soft, hard opening here soon. 
maybe next episode yeah. that'd be great all right hey chris are you awake over there sorry we uh you know we <laughs> you, you were taking care of dogs i think because they got real well, quiet you- you are lucky that it was on mute because we just had like you'd you'd figure the mailman, the UPS driver, <laughs> and a serial killer all walked in the house at the same time. All it, right. I mean, it just exploded with barking. Okay. Um, right. And honestly, I hit mute because I was getting ready to stand up, and it just went off. And I was like, "Oh, my timing is just good right now." <laughs> no so. problem. Well, hey, since you're back, why don't you uh, let us know what you've been doing for the last month? And some fun beer-related activities you might have uh, done in that ma- in that month. Okay, so for the last, uh, well, for the most of January, I was in Las Vegas, Nevada, uh, not the Strip, but you know, a, a local suburb, um, do completing um, a franchise school program for uh, the dog training company that my wife and I are taking over. Um, so since I was only working. Um, what was my schedule? Tuesday through Sunday, nine to five-ish, really. Um, I had some free time to just kind of hang out and explore and just go do what I wanted. So what do I do? But I got to go find beer. <laughs> uh, so go um, start in the local grocery store because I needed stuff to stock the house. And uh, was able to get some great West Coast or you know West Coast things that I can't get in Tampa um, things like uh, Belching Beaver and Mother Earth and stuff like that. Oh yeah, that um, I've heard you guys talk so much about that I was finally able to grab a hold of and and uh, try out. Uh, but we were also, I was also fortunate enough that Megan was able to come out for my last uh, ten or twelve days out there. She had some stuff that she needed to uh, get certified on, and we kind of went brewery hopping for our last. Mm, 10 days or so. So, uh, I kind of put together a quick list of places where we went, um, no particular order, but, uh, the first place we went to was called bad beat brewing. Uh, probably, I don't know. And I, I kind of base everything. When I say Las Vegas, I base everything off of, off of the strip, off mm-hmm. of that main drag on Las Vegas Boulevard. Um, bad beat brewing, probably about 20 minutes East of the strip. Um, it was a it was a cool little place. I uh, wasn't too enthused about the beers, but um, uh, and, and Megan kind of agreed with me. It was kind of uh, it's kind of meh. Um, so chalk one up to experience. You know, yeah. just gotta gotta try them to find out. Um, went to Sin City Brewing, which mm-hmm. is right right in downtown. Well, again on the strip. It's mm-hmm. on the strip. Yeah, um, and it was just kind of this little. I guess hole in the wall is not the way to what to call it, but I mean, it's a little tiny tasting room. Um, I think they had about five or six beers that you could order and, uh, you know, just grab a cup and out the door you go, take one to go. <laughs> uh, so we, we had a couple of good, good ones there. Um, again, nothing like, Oh my gosh, I have to go back to this brewery, but mm-hmm. it was still kind of nice to be able to buy some craft beer that wasn't, you know, an arm and a leg on the strip. And, uh, Go enjoy those while we were kind of walking around, uh, people watching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, went to a place in Henderson, Nevada, which is southeast of Las Vegas, called Love Lady Brewing. Um, this one was probably one of our favorites mm. of all the places that we went. So if if uh, our listeners get out to Las Vegas um, and you've got you've got access to a vehicle and you're not you know stuck in your hotel, 
uh, go check out Love Lady Brewing. Um, you probably won't be disappointed. We were both pretty excited about that place. And, of course, we couldn't have gone to Las Vegas, gone brewery hopping, and not gone back to Big Dogs Brewing, oh, yeah. Denny, where, where you and I went last year. Yeah. Um, and we went there, uh, and, again, we were impressed with the stuff that we had. It was happy hour. It was five minutes before happy hour ended when we got there. Um, so of course we both had to order two beers. Apiece. <laughs> That's the way you do it. <laughs> yeah. So, so we both had, um, some really good beers and we got them on the cheap, which was awesome. Um, I remember the one that I had was, um, it was a, a blended pumpkin barrel aged. I mean, it was like a barley wine, a stout and something else all blended together, but it was all barrel aged stuff that they had blended. Um, it was really, really good. Um, I think my notes and stuff are on it on untapped and then, um, just had kind of an, I, uh, one of their IPAs to go along with dinner. And then, uh, Megan had a couple of sours too, that, uh, the one of them she finished before I even had the chance to go, Hey, let me try. <laughs> oh, it's gone. Um, so, uh, good experience there. Um, got set up with, um, some good friends of mine here in Tampa and a few other people that I've know have recommended an amazing bottle shop uh, that I have to go, that I will continue to go to anytime I'm in the area. And we are, we will be in Las Vegas at least once a year for, for work. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Corey's fine wine and spirits about 10 minutes South of the strip. Um, and they had pretty much just about anything that you could want. Um, it, it was a very good selection, very clean store. They had some stuff that you could get, on tap, they had um, a small little area where you could sit and, and just kind of enjoy a pint. And they had uh, a food truck there. Every time I was there, I was only there about four times in my 25 days. Um, mm-hmm. it's, but it was nice because I was able – I had um, my my Belgian Malinois Shepherd Cajun with me for the whole trip. And uh, I was able to take him into the store with me and just kind of hang out and – you know, enjoy a beer and pick out some stuff to take back to the house. And kind of like I do, I kind of make friends wherever I'd go. So mm-hmm. I got to know a couple of the people that worked back there. And uh, we actually had an offer to come back and help them uh, drink a couple of growlers of some beers that were brought back from San Diego uh, about a week prior to me arriving. And um, was told that we'd never see this stuff in distribution and we're going to be drinking this stuff on Sunday. So if you guys want to come out at seven o'clock, come on out and we're going to be sharing this stuff. Unfortunately, we weren't able to go, but mm. uh, it, it was cool to be able to, um, uh, you know, get to know a couple of the folks there and just chit chat and talk about beer and, um, you know, just, just, uh, yeah. And just enjoy some beers. So uh, that was pretty much other than uh, doing dog training stuff and, um, in Las Vegas, that was pretty much it. That was uh, did a couple of hiking trips where we were able to get out and enjoy the mountains and stuff. But uh, if it wasn't dog related, it was basically beer related. All right. Well, hey, it sounds like you made the best of your trip. You got work done and you had some fun and you visited yeah. a bunch of breweries. That's hey, that's basically one a, one a week at least if you were to average out the brewery visits. Uh, uh, the time you were there, so that, you can't complain about that. That's pretty good. Yeah, it was a pretty it was a pretty good time. It was kind of neat to kind of to live somewhere for about three weeks, you know, kind of get to uh, 
almost become a local for a little mm-hmm. while, but just kind of get to know the area a little bit. And, and then I had to go home. Yeah. Well, now, now when you go back, though, you'll be like, you, you know, like you've lived there all your life. You'll just be able to go right back. Get the bottle shop, chat with your friends, get some special tastings, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's all good. Yeah, well, we be we'll be back there in April. So, all right. Well, thank you, Chris, for sharing your beer, uh, exp- you know, stuff you did this last uh, <laughs> month, whatever it was. Your beer, <laughs> my beer stuff. Your beer stuff. I was trying to think of a fancy name, but I guess I'm not too fancy today. I'll just call beer stuff, but. Um, so let's go into our new and noteworthy. John and I don't have any special events. We are pretty much just working and and working. So we didn't have anything special, but we, I, we did drink a couple beers. I'll go ahead and start this off since since John was talking for a while and Chris, you just got done talking. I'll give you guys a little bit of a break so you can drink some beer. So I had a few noteworthy beers I wanted to share. And the first one is one I had just today. Uh, I've been really talking about this brewery a lot in the, in the last few months since it's been hitting the, the Boise area. It's Revision Brewing out of Reno, Nevada. And they've been doing a lot of different New England or or uh, Northeast, they, I guess I call it, Northeast-style IPAs. And I've had, I have picked up a few cans yesterday. I drank one last night that was pretty good, and I drank one today. And the one I had today is, is a noteworthy one that I wanted to, to just mention. So it's Revisions, Revision Blue... <laughs> <laughs> Revision Brewings, Glitter Moon North, or uh, what I what New I say England. North East New, New England. England. I always call it New England, <laughs> but they they're calling it Northeast Northeastern style double IPA, and uh, it's also it's on the label says with tiny unicorns, uh, <laughs> and I'll tell you what this this brewery has for one thing they have weird names for their beers and all the artwork is just kind of like a, a bizarre. Uh, drug trip, you know, they've been popping LSD or, or something, and they're just like, you know, they, they come up with this weird arts with unicorns in space with uh, disco globes on their, on their horns and little tiny unicorns floating around. I mean, really weird stuff. But I'll tell you what, their beer is really, really good. And this one uh, hit everything that I really in, enjoy in the style. Now, again, I'm not on the East Coast, so I'm not getting these you know, real ones, but I'm judging this based on what I can get. And what I hear from people, this one's got the coloring down pat. It's looks like you're drinking orange juice, lighter, lighter colored orange juice. The mouthfeel on this one, they used uh, some oat, I guess, oats in it, which is, a you know, one of the common things that people use in these, these type of uh, hazy IPAs. And the mouthfeel was really heavy and thick and, and, and kind of, you know, different for an IPA, but was nice. I enjoyed it, and the flavor was very tropical, very tropical with uh, pineapple and some, you know, some tropical fruits you get in in on a tropical island, and I, uh, really good, really tasty. It's like eight and a half percent alcohol, but you would never know that it was more than like two percent. It doesn't taste like you're drinking any alcohol. I'll tell you what, you could probably drink a few of these and get wasted real fast because they do come across a little bit sweeter, although it wasn't. I wouldn't say this beer was had a sweet finish. It really had a dry, a fairly dry finish uh, to it, but still very good. And I, I came to realize something. I came to realize that I only like drinking New England IPAs or Northeast IPAs uh, one at a time. I think if I drink more than one, it takes away the specialness of the beer 
that I get when I drink it. If, you know, have you guys ever experienced that when you have a, a style you really like, but if you drink too much of it, it, it kind of, you know, just, I don't know, not the same or it's not as, as good or not? Am I the only one? Um, I don't know that I would go so far as to say like the entire style, like I view as not as good, but I think you start becoming more discerning within the style. Mm-hmm. So you start to know really what you like and, you know, things that don't meet your mark, you're, you're well-versed on what it takes to have something that's good, you know? Okay. Yeah. Um, what John said. Okay. Because <laughs> I, I think that like, it's kind of like, okay, let me, let me compare it to something outside of beer. It's like when you go and you have that piece of pecan pie, you know how rich it, a pecan pie is. It's really rich and sweet and decadent and you just love it. But if you went and grabbed a second piece right after you had the first piece, it's almost like it's too much, right? You just overdid it with the mm-hmm. richness and the sweet. And it's like, yeah. oh, wow, it kind of took away from the enjoyment. That's what I'm kind of getting at with, with the New England style. I don't know if I'm following that example. Can you give it a different one? Because I would eat an entire pecan pie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on because obviously you guys don't get my thing. But, but, uh, but yeah, it's good. I have uh, one more. One more beer. I bought three three beers from them, um, and now these beers, these revision beers, they're 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 not cheap, right? They're four dollars a can, um, and for the most part, I have not been disappointed with the four dollar purchase. That's why I keep buying them because as long as they keep putting out good stuff, uh, it's it's worth the money, and uh, and I'm gonna keep buying them. I, I wasn't disappointed with the last night's beer, um, but. And I wasn't disappointed with today's beer. Today's beer, I just thought, was really well done. And actually, I think it's my first double IPA hazy beer that's of that style. I remember I was joking around about about uh, someone drinking one uh, on the show last year. And then uh, Kevin Page mentioned that he's drinking them all the time in Florida. And now I finally had one. And I can say that, yeah, this is a, a pretty, good, pretty good style. All right, moving on. Uh, to Fremont Brewing. Hey, we can't go a show without mentioning Fremont, right, John? Now, you know, now it's you're not able to get their stuff. I gotta, I gotta mention it every week. But uh, Fremont Brewing, they released Stone Squirrel Coffee Porter a little bit ago. I finally got my hands on a can of that, and it's a really, really well done coffee porter. Well done in the fact that the coffee is very nice on the nose, very slight, you know dose of coffee and in the flavor also just enough coffee flavor that you can taste the coffee but you can still taste the porter underneath that coffee and the porter brings out like a chocolate note so it's like a chocolate uh, porter type note to from the malts and the coffee and that chocolate finish is really really nice i really enjoyed this beer Uh, and i want to mention everyone that can get their hands on fremont brewing stone squirrel uh, coffee porter go ahead and grab it and another beer that I uh, I had that I really enjoyed this last week is from Fort George Brewing. They're out of uh, Astoria, um, Oregon. And I talk about them quite often. They had their 10th anniversary barley wine. And this beer, uh, another g- great beer from them. I think this was barrel-aged, and it was barrel-aged to perfection where it wasn't, I mean, it, it just, everything went really well good i mean it really it's america it's actually an american barley wine too and 
uh, it wasn't, it didn't come across too hoppy or too bitter. Uh, it was really smooth, had nice character of the bourbon barrel without being overbearing. Everything worked to, to uh, you know, kind of coalesce and, and, and just, you know, complement each other perfectly in the flavors. Really nice beer. I really enjoyed that one. So if that's still floating around, you can get it. I recommend uh, drink, you know, getting one and drinking it. Uh, it was released a few months ago, and I just hadn't had a chance to drink it until, until this last week. Uh, but yeah, it's good. And then the last one I want to talk about is a sour ale. Sour ale from Lagunitas. It's called Oroica. I think that's what it's called. E-R-O-I-C-A. Oroica. And this was uh, a Brett and wine barrel aged sour. And I'll tell you what, um, Lagunitas did a fine job with both the Brett uh, character and the barrel, the wine barrel. So easily can wine barrels put a beer, especially a sour beer, over the top with acidic uh, character if it's, you know, if it's not done well. And this one was really smooth. I didn't get uh, too acidic uh, character. I wasn't getting gut rot after drinking it. Uh, everything was really nice. The Brett brought, brought a nice funkiness to the beer, but wasn't overbearing. And uh, it surprised me. I really, really enjoyed this beer. That's Lagunitas Oreca. Uh, so, John, why don't you go next? You only you, you have a, a very short list. Are you there, John? Okay, Chris. I guess John is taking a break. Why don't you go next since John is <laughs> off? All right. All right. So, for my beers, I had a couple of them. And a couple, a couple of these on my list were from the ones that uh, I was able to get while I was in Vegas. Um, but... A couple days ago, I had one called For Redemption Barrel-Aged Quad from Three Daughters Brewing uh, in St. Petersburg here in Florida. Um, it was just really smooth and easy to drink. Like, the barrel wasn't too, too heavy. Um, and it just it balanced out really well with the uh, flavors in the beer. Uh, that one got a 4.25 uh, from me. I feel like I gave, yeah, yeah, 4.25 for that one. Um and then one that I had in Vegas was Belching Beaver's Peanut Butter Milk Stout. Okay. I have, I've yeah. had that. Uh, and I went to go buy it, and I kind of looked it up on Untapped, and I saw you had it, and you <laughs> didn't really give it a glowing review. <laughs> yeah, I'm very picky on my peanut butter uh, pours and stouts. <laughs> um, this one I gave 4.25 as well. Okay. Uh, and... It was um, Megan had drank this one with me, and we we were always big fans of that Duclaw Sweet Baby Jesus, mm -hmm. and loved that one. Uh, but we we were we're under the impression now that this Belching Beaver Peanut Butter Milk Stout um, trumps the Duclaw. Oh wow! Uh, we enjoyed that one. Uh, we were actually talking about when we go back in April, maybe we should take a bottle shipper and bring some home. <laughs> Along with this next one was from Mother Earth Brewing. The Cali Cream and Cream Ale. Uh, that one definitely got four caps for me. That wow. was uh, that was a really tasty beer, and uh, you know, really nice and low on the price point for a yeah. bomber, which was which is always always good in my book. And this last one, um, which may surprise a lot of people, for the people that don't know, I'm not really a fan of the sour beers. Uh, mm -hmm. I occasionally will drink a Berliner Weiss, um, but those 
sour ales and those beers with all the Britannomyces and, you know, a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about today with the spontaneous fermentation, I just don't do too well with. Um, but like I always say, you got to keep trying one until you find one you like, because if you don't like a beer style, you just haven't tried enough of them yet. That's right. Um, so from Avery Brewing, and I'm going to probably butcher this name, but they're, uh, <laughs> they're Certatio Equestris, which is a barrel-aged sour ale with peppermint. And I gave this one a four and a half caps. Nice. Um, I kind of had to fight Megan for this one because she purchased this one when we were in Ohio uh, in October, I think it was. And uh, she didn't want to give this one up. And I stole as much of it as I could. <laughs> well, it's a give and take relationship. So yeah. you just got to take a little bit when you want it. Yeah. But um, <laughs> some of the other ones that I had that I had that I was really impressed with um, while I was in Las Vegas. Um, where did my list go? There it goes. Um, Big Sky Brewing's Moose Drool. That, oh, yeah. that stuff was fantastic. Um, where was the other one? Um Black Butte 29th anniversary. Oh, yeah. Mm, that was good. Um, where else was in there? Had some stuff from Ninkasi. Had some um, Joseph James as a brewery out in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. The couple of things I had from them while I was out there was really good. Yeah, they're good. Uh, I had, uh, okay, I should have put this one on my list. I completely forgot about this one. And this one's from Belching Beaver. Their Phantom Bride IPA. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Oh, man. That one was recommended to me by Phil at, at uh, Corey's Fine Wine and Spirits. Oh, yeah. I gave that one f- five, five caps. I, it didn't even make my list for this uh, this episode. <laughs> I don't even know why. But I had so many to sift through. But that Phantom Bride was incredible. Um, what else was anything? And then it was just, uh, you know, random stuff that we had at a lot of the breweries that we visited. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's going to be my list for the day. All right. Excellent. Are you back, John? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, hey, you're back. All right. <laughs> well, I'm talking to you, Denny. I don't hear him. Yeah. Oh, well, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Get out of here. Mm-hmm. All right, John. So what what kind of noteworthy beer did you experience this last uh, two weeks? Yes, such are all that uh, hassle for me. I have one um, <laughs> <laughs> that I'll talk about, uh, partly just because I haven't been uh, – picking up a whole lot of new and new stuff and that kind of thing. So just kind of a lot of old staples. Um, but, uh, we did go out and, uh, check out how our, uh, the folks over at Dank house, the other, uh, brand new brewery in Newark, mm-hmm. uh, we're doing. And I had their, uh, couch cushion, uh, double IPA, um, which, uh, was, I, I think trending to New England style. They didn't describe it that way on their board, but um, I, I might say it's uh, shading that way. Mm. Um, but uh, it was really tasty. Really uh, had some nice, um, you know, approachable citrus character, and it was pretty good. So okay, did they did enjoyed they, it? Did they explain how they came up with the name Couch Cushion? Uh, I've seen them reference it in some of their Facebook posts, um, in terms of a beer, you'll be like scrounging up change. On change the couch that's what I was, yeah. Like that. yeah. <laughs> that's so. what I was thinking it was going for. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, 
but yeah, it was, it was, it was really nice. And they're, they're doing well over there. Um, and, uh, they're always, uh, happy to take, take a few minutes and, and talk with us and go over how things are going. And so that's, it's great. They're nice folks. Excellent. All right. Well, you know what? You still have time for our next show to get a couple more, uh, new new beers drank if you have time so don't don't skimp on us now yeah yeah you're gonna have to make up for lost time really yeah yeah so next show just be me talking about things i've drank i'll have to go back a couple years probably yeah Yeah. an hour yeah back when i was 21 (laughs) it all began with a can of keystone light yes yes oh talking about uh i'm 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 sidetracking real quick but did you happen to see the uh Battle of the Beers, Super Bowl beer, uh, yes. short. <laughs> I uh, the the guys over at Flexipose did uh, a great job of putting together a blind tasting of was it four or five? I think it was four. Or, I think it was four, four or five. I can't remember exactly, but four a number of different, uh, you know, like common beers that you would drink at a, a football game, you know, and they were all like big 16 ounce cans of, of popular uh, American Pilsners and, and lagers. And they had them all wrapped up and they were pour- opening each one and pouring it and drinking it. And I had a, a great time watching uh, them do that, that show and seeing their, their reactions, especially when they find out that, you know, some of the beers that they thought they enjoyed uh, they really don't enjoy uh, because of the <laughs> of the hype. But yeah, you guys should go out and check that video out on YouTube. Battle of the Beer, I think it was called their Super Super Bowl Beer, Blind Beer Test or what Taste Test or whatever. But it was good, good, good time. All right, Chris, guess what? We have another contest coming up. You want to go ahead and talk to the folks about how they can enter into our contest? Absolutely. So we have another contest coming up. We'll be giving away our third shirt from our friends at Hopcloth. You'll be able to win a drink beer from here shirt with your choice of state. Easy to win, and you have a few ways to get an entry or multiple entries to win. Each of these entries will get you an entry into the drawing. So you can either like the episode 93 Facebook post, share the episode 93 Facebook post, like and follow the Tap the Craft Facebook page, Leave us a review on on iTunes. And yes, for those of you who have left us a previous review, you are automatically entered into any of our contests. Uh, retweet the episode 93 Twitter post. And last but not least, mention Tap the Craft, at Tap the Craft, uh, episode 93 in a Twitter post. So if you do all of those, you get six entries to win a free T-shirt from Hopcloth. Uh, you'll have two weeks to get your entries in, and we will announce the winner on the next episode. So get to it and show your support for Tap the Craft. Yeah, excellent. Thank you, Chris, for, uh, for getting that out. You did a way better job than I usually do, so I really appreciate that. Yeah, he enunciated. Yes, yes. I'm getting better at that. I'm having to be an adult lately, and not, it, it's scaring me. <laughs> okay, we had uh, we, we had some feedback since the last episode, but uh, I just want to mention a couple things. The first thing is we had an iTunes review, and I'm not. I don't know. This is not a real. I don't think this is a real name. If it is, I apologize because I can't pronounce it. I'm just going to spell it. We had a review, an iTunes review from A F A S A Q W E. And I tried to look up 
and see if that's actually a name and it didn't come up with a name so uh i think it's an acronym for something and i just couldn't figure out what it is but they left a nice short review it says wonderful informative and fun great job uh but hey we appreciate those itunes reviews and guess what you are already entered into the hop cloth contest because you left an itunes review so congratulations and um i'm trying to be more active on twitter and i want to generate some you know conversation and i did that starting yesterday i did that with a poll i uh, i i put a twitter poll on our twitter feed uh saturday afternoon and it's concerning uh i want to find out what our listeners favorite sour styles of beer are so i put a poll up with four choices and uh, we've already had a number of uh, people go ahead and enter in their choice. So I encourage all of our listeners uh, to go ahead and find the poll and, and vote for your favorite sour type of, uh, of beer. Um, you have until Saturday afternoon. So after this airs, you'll have just a couple days to get on our Twitter and, and go ahead and just hit that vote button. And let us let us know. I'll, I'll reveal the, the results in our next episode. But I'm going to be doing a few polls now and then and, and add it to the show for some uh, some feedback interaction on the twitter we had I, I don't know i must have done at least 20 replies uh in conversation last night and it was kind of fun to interact with our with our listeners out there our community no listener questions so uh hey if you have a question just go ahead and and leave it for us you can do that very easily you can leave your comments and questions uh, through email at taptocraft@gmail.com or on Twitter, just find us at taptocraft. And of course, Chris would love for you to get on our Facebook page at facebook.com/taptocraft and leave your questions, comments, or whatever you want on our Facebook page, so we can interact with you there. And don't forget, we do have a voicemail number. You can call 208-536-3359 or 208-53oddly to leave feedback or questions if you want to get your voice heard on the show. And then, again, the number can easily be found in the show description on your favorite podcast app. Just uh, click the number, call, leave a message, and we'll get you on the show. And we have a little Easter egg at the end of the show with our buddy Chris, so don't, don't you know, wait till the end of the show and hear what Chris had to say on our voicemail line. And I want to thank Open Forum Radio Network for supporting our show. They provide the hosting space at openforumradio.com. And if you enjoy the content that John, Chris, and I put out, then we believe you'll find more great content from the following shows. Thank you so much for listening to Tap the Craft with Denny, John, and Chris. Hey, and if you want to check out more great podcasts, check out the Open Forum Radio Network over at openforumradio.com. We have such podcasts such as Open Forum Radio Proper, Facetious, Geeks for the Win, Gamer Husbands Radio, The OMG Hour, Gaming Vessels, Slash Attainment, and Conspiracy Otter. Hey, thank you so much for checking out Tap the Craft today, and please leave these fellas a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this great show. Hey, thanks again for listening. All right, now it is time for the Brew Buzz segment, and the Brew Buzz is devoted to discussing various beer-related topics. This week, we have a very in-depth discussion, education on spontaneous fermentation in wild beer. Sit back, grab a beer, and learn. Open your ears and learn all about wild ales and spontaneous fermented beers. And uh, just to let you guys know, I got this information from a couple sites um, one was from a, a wiki page called Milk the Funk Wiki Page, and it's, the, it's just the, the title is uh, Spontaneous Fermentation. They had a lot of great information on, spon- on you know, spontaneous fermentation. I really enjoyed that. I also got some information from craftbeer.com article called 
spontaneous fermentation science, not sorcery. I'll have those links on the show notes for you guys to follow if you want to find out more information. So before we you know, get into this, this whole topic, we need to know what is the difference between sour beer and wild beer? There is a difference, slight difference. So sour beer is when a brewer adds an acidifying bacteria to the beer to raise the acidity levels um, to make it tart, mouth puckering, or just straight up sour. So the brewer is actually adding stuff into it just to raise that acidity. That's what sour beer is. Now, there is something unique about adding sourness to a beer is that when you pair it with food, it can really, that, that sourness from the acidity can really help heighten and brighten the foods that it's paired with. So that's something that maybe people have overlooked is that when they drink a sour ale, they don't realize that sometimes that can really uh, you know, be used to draw out some great flavors in food. Now we ask, what is a wild beer? Well, typically wild beer describes any beer that displays earthy characteristics of wild yeast strains such as uh, Brett, Brettanomyces, we call it Brett for short, um, and this is regardless of the beer style in which it's being put into. So you can put Brett in any beer style, uh, and it just gives you that kind of that funky, wild, yeasty uh, characteristic. Also, wild ales add a bit of acidity to the beer along with a multitude of other flavors and aromas. And again, food pairing is a strength to uh, having a wild beer. It said that adding wild funk to the tartness and sourness adds an incredible complexity to contrast that and heighten the food pairings experience. So again, wild beer and sour beer both can kind of enhance your food pairings. So Chris, talk to us about how, you know, what makes spontaneous fermented beer different than wild beer. All right. So spontaneous fermentation takes place when wort is fermented with wild yeasts introduced from the environment and inviting the localized, quote, in the wild ambient microbes to ferment the beer rather than from a cultivated yeast strain like brewer's yeast. Uh, it's been around for ages, first discovered by accident and then practiced by intention. Uh, it adds a bit of mystery to the end product by letting Mother Nature have control of the fermentation process. The character of spontaneous fermented wild beers does not come so much from the ingredients, but the environment of the brewery. So like the air, the walls, uh, the wood, and the vessels that it's stored in. Yeah. So before we, we go on, John, what is your experience? Are we on track or do you have anything to, to kind of add to what we've already discussed? You're the expert. Yeah, I'm an expert on spontaneous thing that I've never done. Um, but uh, no, I, I think that we've kind of kind of hit it, and you know, I think it's important to to highlight the difference between spontaneous ferment fermented and wild because I think some people incorrectly use those interchangeably. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's what I kind of wanted to just tell the difference between the two because you can have a wild ale that is actually pitched yeast. Uh, and and not actually open uh, fermented to uh, to gather the environmental yeast into it, uh, and that's what we're we're kind of looking at here is is just an offset of the wild beer with the spontaneous fermented characteristics that are added to it. So, oh good, all right, John, why don't you uh, go ahead and I, I gave this 
topic to you because I know you're so good with these uh, tough-to-pronounce words. So hit us up with some of these wild yeast microorganisms. Yeah, so take a look at uh, what's the common ones, like uh, Britannomyces, mm-hmm. uh, which is a wild yeast. This is from the, uh, the craftbeer.com article, mm-hmm. which says it, it's common in uh, Brett ales, obviously, uh, things that are fermented only with Britannomyces. <laughs> Um, so some wooden barrel aged ales, uh, Goza, Beer de Garde, Lambic, Goose, Flanders, and Old Ale. And descriptors uh, can be uh, horsey <laughs> or barnyardy, goaty, leathery, phenolic, and uh, light to moderate and or fruity acidic character. I take some issue with this mm-hmm. uh, because Britannomyces doesn't actually add any acid to the beer. Um, it, it doesn't do that. So it, it may be present in some gozas, but I would move goza down to the next, uh, organism mm-hmm. that we will talk yeah, about yeah. and pretty much anything that, that has any kind of acidity. Um, I would be confident in betting you, you know, considerable amounts of money that, uh, lactobacillus is in that beer. Okay. Um, just because that's, that's where it generally comes from. Um, but that's not to say Britannomyces is, is still present in a, in a lot of these uh, uh, spontaneous beers because mm-hmm. it's it's just out there and uh, and and also a lot of sour beers just because of the character that brings and it you know brings some dimension to it. So, uh, but yeah, that next uh, or- organism is Lactobacillus, uh, which is a microorganism that produces lactic acid and carbon dioxide. And lactobacillus is how we get sauerkraut, uh, which is fermented cabbage. Mm. It's also what sours milk mm. um, to give the gift of creamy yogurt. Mm. And uh, here's a little homebrew tip. Um, a lot of the like probiotics, um, you could use those to uh, sour up some beers. Really? They have... Uh, Go to Costco lacto- and grab yourself. So, <laughs> yeah, people, people literally bust open a couple of those uh, and throw them in. So. Wow, I didn't know that. Okay, that's good. That's good to know. Can I can I throw my uh, can of uh, yogurt into it too? Yeah, yeah. And pe- people do that. There are breweries that do that. So all right, that's 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 a little bit of uh, trivia I didn't know. So thank you, John, for that. Yeah, um, and lacto is common in uh, Berliner Weiss, uh, Flanders beers. Uh, I would say some saisons. I would say Britannomyces is more common in saison yeah. than lacto. Yeah. Um, so I might flip that in the Goza um, from up above. But you'll find this in also your lamb mixing coos and, and that kind of stuff, with, you know, getting the, some of that sour character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, Pediococcus, a uh, microorganism that produces lactic acid and diacetyl. Ooh. And yeah, PDO is not something you want a ton of. Um, but uh, you'll find it in lamb mixing coos and uh, gives you some of that tartness and the dasso will bring in, you know, butter, popcorn, butterscotch type thing. Yeah. I'm not a fan of that. Yeah. Uh, and then something that, uh, can be very dangerous, um, in, in terms of your beer, which is acetobacter, uh, microorganism produces acetic acid, otherwise known as vinegar, um, <laughs> you know, character. So, and so those persistent little fruit flies that you see in winery tasting rooms are carriers of acetobacter mm. and breweries fight those same fruit flies all the time as well. Um, so that's not something only due to wine, but, mm-hmm. uh, in a craftbeer.com article, they'll throw shade over there, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Um, but uh, nice. <laughs> and that's a common in uh, Lambic, Flanders, uh, Red, and some wood-aged beers. And yeah, the descriptors, uh, vinegar, pickles, and solvent qualities. And uh, so sour beers that get heavy in this vinegar character, um, acetobacter thrives on oxygen. Mm. And so it could be that those beers got too much too oxygen much. If, if there's some acetobacter, and then yeah. it'll go to town. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not one to, to really enjoy the, the really, uh, acetobacter heavy sours. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, I, I do like a little dose of it from time to time. I think it, it, it it can be pleasant, Mm -hmm. uh, when it's restrained. So, yeah, Yeah, I agree that uh, this has to be used in, in lower doses because it can really it can really come off off. And, uh, I think the one that I enjoy a good Flanders red, but Flanders red, if it's, if it's too acidic and, uh, and too much of this, it really is hard to drink. I find that the ones that are, have a really good wood, uh, aged quality, uh, and, and also probably most likely blended really well too, are a little easier to, uh, to digest for my system. I just know that it's hard to drink some of that really, you know, strong pickle vinegar uh, quality. You know, it can it can really come out strong in some of these these reds. But that's it's uh it's probably my least favorite of the ones you mentioned. I I love Brett. I enjoy Lacto. I I can say that I'm not a fan of the Pediococcus or the S. Acetobacter, whatever it is you said. Acetobacter. Yeah, I'm so glad that I gave that section to you, John. You did a great, a great job. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. So now that we know, um, you know, some of the microorganisms that can uh, cause this uh, wild flavor in our fermentation, let's go into how breweries go and achieve the spontaneous fermentation. Because that's what we're talking about. We want to know how can the brewery get those wild yeast spores that are out in the, you know, around the environment of the brewery uh, into the beer. And it's, uh, you know, the common way of doing it is called a cool ship. And uh, a cool ship is achieved by using open cooling vessels called cool ships where the wort is left exposed to the air and allowed to cool naturally overnight where wild yeast and bacteria are introduced into the wort as it cools. So this is a twofold factor. It's cooling the wort instead of using forced cooling like most breweries do to you know, cool it down fast. It's just using the natural environment of the, of the brewery to, to cool it to the temperature it needs overnight. And then it also, while it's cooling, it's open up to allow those, uh, you know, the everything to come in and, and infect, I guess. I don't want to infect is kind of a bad word. What, what, what other inoculate maybe what, what word yeah. would be good inoculate, inoculate the wart with the wild yeast spores so that it starts, you know, fermenting a beer with these wild yeast uh, before it goes into the real fermentation process. So, Oh, I, you know what, well, I guess I should have just kept reading what I wrote down here because I, it's exactly what I said. The cool ship provides dual purpose, both to cool the wart and inoculate the wart with, ambient microbes during the open overnight cooling and again it's only 18 to 16 hours if they go any longer you really begin to expose the wart to uh, mold, um, growth of mold and that would be negative you don't want to have other bacteria growing in your wart if it goes too long so try to keep it 8 to 16 hours yeah and those are also uh, they drain from the bottom 
and it allows them to kind of keep anything that may have landed on the top and is staying on the top to oh. remain on the top. But okay. I think cert- certain things you just end up having to get rid of the whole thing. Yeah. But. Yeah. Okay. So the microbes which inoculate the wart in the cool ship are sourced exclusively from the ambient environment outside the brewery. Um, some suggest these microbes may be resident in the brew house too. So again, um, a lot of times you'll hear like, you know, you'll hear that the breweries in, in Belgium will open up the windows and ha- let the environment and you'll know, have some, some circulation going on where it brings in the outside environment. But also the age of the building and what's it's been exposed to and everything, you know, and all the, the microbes that live in the brewery can also play a big part on in whether or not that brewery is successful in creating a, a, a good wild yeast strain in their open fermentation process. So, Chris, now that we got the fermentation started, let's talk about, uh, you know, how we store this beer and, and ferment it, you know, for longer periods of time uh, and what, co- what containers we'll be using. Using wood containers. So the microbes may also come from the wooden barrels and or the fooders, which are often used to hold the fermenting beer, especially if the barrels or fooders have not been thoroughly cleaned. So fermenting in wooden vessels for a long period, say like one to three or more years, uh, allows the different microbes present to carry out their slow metabolism of the complex carbohydrates present in the beer, uh, develops the flavors and the acidity associated with spontaneous beers. Uh, the wooden fermentation vessels are frequently oak wine barrels. Mm-hmm. Um, larger vessels such as <clears throat> as large tons or fooders holding upwards of 34 barrels can be used. And these vessels provide two primary benefits for the fermentation. So one, they allow a small amount of oxygen Permeable <laughs> amount of oxygen permeability. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. And they can provide an environment which houses some of the microbes active in the fermentation. Britannomyces could survive some cleaning regiments by pre- by penetrating into the wood, and in some case, possibly metabolize compounds present in the wood, such as. Celobios. That's celobios. However you want to say it. We're I'm sticking with one of those two. Uh, which is produced from toasting of the wood. Uh, the barrels may provide flavor and structure from the tannins, and in some cases, what they previously held to produce complex flavor characteristics. Yeah. So the wood is important. For one thing, it stores the beer, allows the fermentation to go on, and because these wild yeast strains kind of you know slowly cook the beer uh it also cooks the barrel and gives you out some great flavors i mean it's it's, it's a complex uh, uh process to get these beers tasting sour so john we've got the, the 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 yeast into the beer we fermented the beer now is it just going to be ready to drink or do we have other things we got to take into consideration here before we get uh this beer into our mouths uh, so, you know, one thing for sour beers is, you know, some will be just straight. This is exactly what it was, but most of them I would say nowadays, uh, are blended and it's, it's really an art, uh, to it. And uh, a lot of breweries are actually pulling from wineries, uh, because a lot of wineries have that, uh, experience and expertise, mm-hmm. um, to do that blending. So, um, 
But uh, yeah, blending and dumping. Blending is a kind of a fundamental part of traditional spontaneous beer production uh, and typically of uh, wood aged sour beer production in general and wood aged beer in general sometimes these days. But uh, in barrel aged mixed fermentation beers and especially spontaneously fermented beers, uh, there's a high potential for variability um, in the different barrels uh, and fermentation vessels, uh, even those resulting from the the same hot side process. Uh, so same batch split into a bunch of different mm-hmm. barrels. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how much, how, how tight those barrels are, how much oxygen they're letting in, yeah. um, what those barrels were used for previously. Um, they're not necessarily all coming from the same thing, how well they were cleaned, um, what's in the wood, you know, can all create variability. Um, so to help create a more balanced and complex process and, uh, you know, for some larger places, they want consistent mm-hmm. sour beer mm-hmm. as much as they can. Um, producers of sour beers often blend the barrels, um, not necessarily even from the same year. They might yeah. do different vintages, uh, mm-hmm. which is what a, a lambic is. It's actually a blend of one, two, and three-year-old uh, beers. So they blend those together into one final product. Uh, but then the, the dumping um, – so uh, frequently, uh, a non-trivial amount of beer is dumped at spontaneous beer breweries. Uh, the exact amount depends on the conditions of the brewery and uh, the willingness of the brewer <laughs> to try to blend in batches that might not taste as good, yeah, and or have you know mild off flavors at the expense of the overall quality of the blend. But crap in, crap out. That's yep. what I say. Yep. Um, so commercial brewers have uh, reported dumping levels of five percent and even up to 15% of their total production. Wow. Um, this may do may be due to imbalance uh, in the microbes or a bad barrel resulting in, you know, off woody flavor, excessive O2 exposure, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. gives you a barrel full of vinegar. <laughs> um, but uh, in, addition, in addition to the beer inside, uh, such barrels being dumped, um, a lot of times that is the end of the barrel itself. Um, cause a lot of these bugs can get really ingrained into the wood mm-hmm. and it's really, can be really difficult to kind of start fresh. So, yeah. So ha- have you heard of the lifetime of a barrel that's used in, in a wild ale, uh, fermentation? Does it have like a, you know, like a, a one or two batch lifetime and then they go, or do they, can they keep these barrels for a long time as long as they don't produce bad beer? Um, I think it depends on how you care for the barrel. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that, uh, one of the initial beers from new Belgium, Mm -hmm. uh, one of the initial barrels from new Belgium is still being used. Um, at barrel one or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, P pH one, I think is the name of the barrel. Um, and it, it ended up at the rare barrel and the rare barrel has since passed it on to another brewery. And it's still being, still, still being used. Okay. So, you know, if you take good care of these barrels, they they can, uh, you know, give back for quite a while. So, um, but you know, I, I'd imagine it's not necessarily if you take good care of it, it'll last forever because anything could happen. Yeah. You know, with something that goes into it. But uh, yeah, you know, take good care of it, and you could be rewarded. So okay, one thing I didn't research was. You know, what is the proper 
method for keeping these barrels clean. So after you use it, after you use a barrel, let's say you have a, a clean, just oak barrel, or maybe you have a wine barrel. Uh, you know, you got rid of the wine. It just has a, a nice uh, character of the wine still in the wood. You throw your beer in there. You you get a beer out. You blend it. You, you know, whatever. It tastes good. Now you're, the barrel's empty. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's a proper cleaning or some kind of process to maintain that barrel so that it, it can produce a similar quality beer the next time you put a beer in it. Do you know offhand, John, what that process is? Uh, I believe steam is usually the preferred oh. method of um, kind of cleaning the barrels. Okay. Uh, but I don't think it's necessarily done every time, uh, especially depending on the lab work that a brewery may have access to. Okay. They can you know, test what's coming out of the barrel and say, all right, this barrel is not containing anything that we're, you know, concerned about mm-hmm. and we like what it's putting out. So we're just going to put, you know, another beer into it. Okay. Um, and that would generally be done like right away. You know, you don't want to leave it sit, um, and let it start to dry out or, yeah. you know, start to, to, to grow anything that you don't want grown in there. Okay. So. Okay. So they steam them. And then throw another beer in them as soon as I can. And the the lab work. Now, are they, I, I'm assuming that to go ahead and take a sample and they're looking for specific strains of bacteria that are that what they want in there. Like, so looking for uh, Brett and they're looking for, you know, different lactose or whatever. And if they, there's a, they're counting a certain number of these cells in there to, to say, yep, that's good. And, and then making sure they don't have other bacteria that aren't. Is that what they're doing, or how are they using a lab to determine if the um, good? I'm not familiar with how sour breweries are really using the lab. And you know, from when it, when it's all clean beer, and I'll say clean beer just as just something that's not sour. Um, you know, you're using it for yeast counts to figure out your viability, making sure everything's healthy, and then uh, you know, just making sure you're not seeing any bacteria popping up in there. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. For sours, you know, you're you're expecting the bacteria to be in there. You know, that's what you're counting on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if they're more looking, just looking for things that don't belong as opposed to looking for certain ratios and that kind of thing. Because really, it, in the barrel, you can't control the ratios. The, the ratios are going to do what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. The, the bacteria is going to, you know live together or, or outcompete each other, okay. um, in the barrel. Um, so a, I, th- I think you'd more be looking for, at least I would assume you'd more be looking for what you don't want in there. You know, if you're, uh, you know, very afraid of acetobacter and you, you find some acetobacter in there while well, you might be hesitant to, to throw something into mm-hmm. that, that yeah. barrel. Okay. Um, so, but I haven't done it, so I'm not. Okay. Not sure. All right. Well, you know what? We can always uh, research that in the future if people are interested. I think some of the best sour beers are ones that are blended uh, to get you know a good characteristics that's not too overbearing and any you know make it more balanced is what I, I appreciate. So blending is good and dumping. Hey, yeah, it sucks to have to dump a whole barrel of your beer because it didn't come out right. But like you said, John. Uh, if you put crap in, you're gonna get crap out. So just take take the loss, get rid of that that barrel of beer, and and don't make the mistake of of trying to to make it work when it it may not work. All right. So 
Now that we learned about the spontaneous fermentation of beer and the wild ales, I wanted to highlight three breweries across the nation, the U.S., United States. Now, of course, keep in mind that this spontaneous fermentation, it all took place over in Belgium originally. So they're the, the masters of this Belgian kind of uh, fermentation process and, and beers. But over in the U.S., we do have a few breweries that appreciate what they do in Belgium and want to try to mimic that. And they have Belgian-inspired spontaneous fermented beers uh, of their own. And I'm going to start on the East Coast, go to the Midwest, and then go to the, we're going to go to the West Coast so that hopefully people across the nation uh, can find a brewery that they can get in their area and try uh, one of these beers if they're curious about it. And I'm going to start with, the, to me, uh, the most famous one that started this uh, process a while ago and, and does a pretty good job, that I, and eventually I hope to make it to Maine and visit this brewery. And this is Allagash Brewing. They're in Portland, Maine. Known for crafting excellent Belgian-inspired beers, such as their flagship Allagash White. Uh, they started brewing their spontaneously fermented beers, or what they call their Cool Ship series, in 2007. Now, here's how they describe the process that they use. And keep in mind, I'm going to read what the brewer said himself on how they describe it from their website, which is very similar to what we've already talked about. But again, this is the process that they're using. It's that they say, our cool ship beers are crafted using a traditional Belgian method of spontaneous fermentation. Hot, unfermented wort is cooled overnight using outside air temperature in a traditional, large, shallow pan known as a cool ship. During the cooling process, naturally occurring microflora from the air inoculates the beer, and in the morning, it is transferred into French oak wine barrels, where the entire fermentation and aging, now keep in mind, aging over one to three years, takes place. And so I wanted to highlight their Cool Ship beers, the, the, the different beers that they have in their Cool Ship series. And starting off with their Cool Ship Resurgum, uh, this is brewed. Now, keep in mind, all their beers, all four beers I'm going to talk about, they're all brewed with Pilsner malt, raw wheat, and they're using aged whole cone hops. So they're dried hops, whole cone. It's a blend of one, two, and three-year-old spontaneous fermented beer. So again, they're taking... Uh, beers that are fresh or you know, relatively fresh, one year, then aged ones at two year and three year, and they're blending uh, in to make this beer. The finished beer has aromas of apricot, lemon zest, and candied fruit. There's notes of tropical fruit and flavors of funk that lead to a clean, tart, and dry finish. And the total time for this beer to be produced is three years. There's a three-year fermentation before th this beer gets out to the public. So uh, it's a this is a a long process that uh, that to get a, a good quality beer, you're going to have to to wait that three years to be able to uh, to get the finished product. So that's a lot of investment. You know, we now John, we're talking about investment of just doing loggers at a brewery for tank time. Now you're talking, you know, acquiring barrels and storing barrels of multiple different beers for three plus years to be able to produce one beer. That's some serious. Uh, uh, time and, and, and money and, and, and storing beer and making sure the beer stays in optimum conditions that whole time. So that's that's a lot of uh, effort for sure. Yeah, and it, it puts into perspective why a lot of those beers are carrying the price tag that they yeah, are. Yeah, true. I mean, <laughs> that's true. And it, it's not, I mean, it's not just the, you know, the physical space and everything, but yeah, the labor to keep it all, you know, 
keep tabs on it all yeah. and make sure it's all ready when it's ready or, Hey, this is ready now. It's ready now. You know, we got to mm -hmm. get it out. So, yeah. um, you know, you, you don't want to miss your window. True. And that's yeah. what exists with a lot of these beers. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was the cool ship resurgum. The cool ship Cerise is again, brewed with Pilsner malt, raw wheat, aged hops, and also aged on cherries for six months in oak wine barrels. The beer is a pale red color, has cherry and spice in the aroma. The cherry, oak, and spice punctuate the flavor of this tart beer. A tart, dry finish makes the Cool Ship Cherise remarkably drinkable. And it, this is a two-year fermentation process. So this one takes two years before they get the finished product. Then the Cool Ship Red, uh, again, brewed with the same materials, aged in French oak wine barrels for over two years. Raspberries are added after the fermentation and let to rest for an additional four to five months. So they finish off the two years of fermentation, then they add in the fruit for four to five months to get the flavor of, of, uh, of the raspberries. The finished beer is bright red in color with an aroma of raspberry and oak. Its raspberry forward flavor is balanced by notes of light funk, apricot, and a tart dry finished aged hops and aged on local raspberry. So again, a nice, uh, a little bit different uh, way of doing it. And the last one that they mentioned that they have in their Cool Ship series, again, these are all spontaneous fermented beers, is the Balaton. And this is, again, the spontaneous fermented beer aged on Balaton cherries. All the fermentation and aging takes place in French oak wine barrels over several years with 100 pounds per barrel of fresh Maine raspberries for the final six months. That's 100 pounds per barrel. That is a lot of a cherries. Lot of raspberries. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a lot of fruit, man. That's that's crazy. A raspberries, yeah. Um, the finished beer is bright red in color with a raspberry and oak in the aroma. Cherries dominate the flavor, um, along with a funk and hints of dried apricot. The finish is tart and dry. And uh, this beer, they only made it once. It was made in 2011. Has been retired since then. I think. They realize this beer was way too expensive to make. Yeah, the raspberry market's been booming, so they can't. You know. This brewery is a brewery that's on my bucket list of breweries to visit one day. Uh, I would love to go and and try all their offerings, and especially if I could get my hands on some of their special uh, spontaneous fermented beers, I would love to try them also. So now, Chris, why don't you go into the Midwest and talk about our next brewery? All right, let's talk about New Glarus in New Glarus, Wisconsin. Uh, their sour ale is a spontaneous fermented and aged in oak barrels for two years. Uh, final fermentation is done in the bottle. Uh, their sour fruit ale, <clears throat> spontaneous fermented and aged in oak barrels on yeast lies with Oregon blackberries. Mm hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Wild Peach is a sour brown ale with Michigan peaches that's spontaneous fermented and aged in oak barrels. And it's blended one, two, and three-year-old beer. Uh, it's got some oak, uh, leathery, and horsey notes uh, with some hints of bourbon. And it's uh, very complex, uh, thirst-quenching, and definitely sour. Yeah, yeah. New, New Glarus, if anyone's ever visited their website, uh, yeah, it's... It definitely needs some updating. Uh, they don't have a lot of information <laughs> on the, the site. Uh, so I just pulled out some of the beers that they uh, have done. That, that They have other beers that are also uh, using wild yeast and possibly spontaneous fermentation. But because their website is so crappy, it's really tough to 
draw out everything. So I just listed the four that seem like the most common ones you guys might be able to find uh, in, you know, out in the wild. All right, John, I want, this is a brewery that's fairly new um, on the Oregon coast. And it's very unique in the fact that all they do is spontaneous fermented beers. Now, I hadn't even heard of this beer or this brewery until I started doing research for this subject. So this is one that I'm very curious about, and I'd love to, to try the beer. So why don't you talk about the next brewery? Yeah, what's Degard Brewing out of Tillamook, Oregon? There's also, uh, they put cheese in all their beers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, they, they've got a whole bunch of spontaneous beers because that's what they do. Uh, like the Lucy, which is a spontaneous wild ale aged in oak barrels with late harvest muscat grapes. Yeah, nice. Um, hose, a dry hop spontaneous <laughs> wild ale aged in oak barrels with sea salt, coriander, and citrus peel. Yeah, is that, um, I mean, what is that kind of like a goza? You think it's a hose? Uh, I would, hose, I would think goza, yeah. hose, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Deutsche Hose, um, which is uh, also the exact same uh, thing. Dry hop, spontaneous wild ale, Asian oak bales with sea salt, coriander, and citrus peel. Yeah, what is the? I mean, I again, this is how I, they I think these are all the, like. So there are uh, four of these hosas. Yeah, um, the Nelson Hosa and the Zwei Hosa. Different um, hops, right? Which I'm guessing that yeah, I would say they have German hops, some Australian hops, yeah, and, and uh, New Zealand hops. Maybe what is Zwei? Uh, I'm not sure. Mm. Zwei, Zwei. Um, yeah. so and then uh, something different than that. Uh, although I guess the, oh, the Zwei is uh, two, um, so that would be double dry hopped, which is ah, that makes sense. Okay, double dry. Yeah. Okay, and Zwei. Yeah, we all watch Cool Runnings. We know that. <laughs> um, so then uh, the truffle, a spontaneous uh, wild ale blended from three years age in oak barrels with Oregon white truffles. Interesting, huh? So, yeah, I'm a little disappointed I don't have like a cheddar hosa. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, keep in mind the beers that I list are what they currently have, right? Because this is, the, again, there's completely 100% spontaneous fermented brewery so they release beers as they come out of the you know out of the barrels and they're ready and obviously the batch that they have on right now at the at that they're offering to their customers are all a bunch of uh goza styles that they'd use different uh finishing products you know the different hops and then double dry hopping so uh interesting have, have, john had you heard of degar before uh, I hadn't heard mention of it. Um, I have never looked into it. Okay. Because uh, I heard of it when I was out here now. So. Okay. Uh, so what? So there. So in case anyone doesn't know, Tillamook is uh, just off of the Oregon coast. It's inland, about I don't know, twenty miles or so inland from the coast. So I'm guessing that that environment with the ocean and the 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 pine trees and everything going on and the cheese probably has some influence of the, the There's cheese. There's heavy curd action going yeah, on. Yeah, some there. curd action. <laughs> um, obviously, it must be a prime environment for wild, for some interesting wild yeast uh, strains in that area. If they can, you know, if they have a, if they decide to go ahead and put all their 
marbles in one bucket and, and do the spontaneous fermentation. It must be a fantastic yeast strain that can produce some great beers because that's very uh, niche and uh, unique. But uh, I need to go visit this brewery for sure. Okay, is there anything else? This is the end of our topic. Before we close out the topic, John, Chris, do you guys have any experience with drinking spontaneous fermented beers that you want to talk about or any other things that we've left out so far? No. No? Mm-mm. Okay. Mm-mm. Other than I normally don't like them. Well, you but... know what? You, you just haven't had the right one yet. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to keep trying them regardless. Uh, all right. Well, guess what, guys? That is the end of our show. Let's roll in and give out some toasts to some people we'd like to give a toast to. So, Chris, do you have anyone you'd like to give a toast to tonight? Actually, I would. I would like to raise a glass to Alex Fuchs. Oh. Because, you know, one, he gave us a shout-out for getting to try the beer we sent out to you. Oh, but yeah. also, also, he left a voicemail, so we know that hashtag <laughs> Alex is real. He is real. <laughs> uh, still don't know about that Russ fella. Yeah, well, uh, I'm going to raise my glass to that Russ fella. Um, <laughs> as well as uh, my brother Dan, his buddy Steve, who uh, stopped by the brewery today to help move some uh, heavy broken equipment out of the building oh. for us. So, uh, Yeah, and Russ's, Russ's wife Katie also came by to help uh, help us clean some chairs. So Wow. Um. Yeah, everybody's getting in on the action, all these imaginary people. Um, but yeah, so thanks to everybody that's helping get Trek ready. So. Excellent. Um, uh, yeah, for me, I just want to raise my glass to all our great listeners out there. For everyone I've interacted with over the last few weeks, I appreciate all the interaction and the conversation. Just keep it up. Uh, even though I'm going to try to to reduce the the uh, the length of our interaction uh, segment on the show don't don't think we don't appreciate it we definitely appreciate it we just want to try to make the show a little bit more palatable to all of our listeners out there without making it too long or too short so I thought we'd just kind of condense that in a little bit but we still appreciate all the interaction and of course you know being a former serviceman I always want to raise my glass I want to thank all those who have served and who are currently serving in our U.S military services, protecting our freedoms. Cheers to you and come home safely uh, to your family soon. And thank you for your service. And Chris, uh, why don't you give us our little hop cloth uh, cheers? Okay. And I want to raise a glass to hop cloth apparel for partnering up with us. And I encourage our listeners to go visit their website at www.hopcloth.com and check out their creative craft beer clothing. You can use the code tap the craft, all one word and get uh, at checkout and get free shipping. All right. Thank you, Chris. And thank you, Hopcloth. And of course, you can find the beers and the links to the articles that we mentioned on the show in our show notes located on the show post at openforumradio.com. And if you'd like to follow us on social media, I can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and untapped at Loose Screw. And John, how can listeners follow you? Twitter at Prime Brewing, untapped, Prime WA. Although I haven't been active very much on either of those lately. I need to get back to that. <laughs> Um, but, uh, where we are active is, uh, you can follow Trek Brewing on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Trek Brewing or visit the website trekbeer.com. Excellent. And Chris, how can our listeners follow you? 
So I'm kind of with John. I haven't been using my Twitter too much, but you can find me on Twitter at Chris underscore McKenzie 82 or untapped at MCK 1345. And as always, you can find me on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash tap the craft. All right. It is last call, guys. Time to bring the show to a close. We want to thank everyone for downloading and listening to the show. We ask you to please tell a friend and, of course, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn, Google Play, or however you listen to your podcast. And as a reminder, we release a new show every two weeks. Now go out there and spread the good word of craft beer. Cheers. Cheers. Hey guys, Chris McKenzie calling in here from Tampa. Just wanted to give you a quick call and say, uh, miss hearing you guys' voice, just getting um, caught up on all the episodes, just finishing up episode 91. Um, miss you guys. Uh, John, not so much. Um, but hey, I just also wanted to say, uh, hashtag Russ isn't real. And new hashtag, Alex is real. Have a good day, guys. Okay, so what's that word after wooden barrels and or? <laughs> wooden barrels and or fooders. Fooder. Fooder? Yeah, fooders. You yeah. never heard of fooders? It's Although fooders. I wish you would have just said like foudress. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it was going to, that's what it sounded like in my head. I just wanted to be sure. So fooder? So fooders are those big giant uh, like oversized barrel looking things you'll mm-hmm. see in some breweries that yeah, have it, fooders. It's basically like a fermenter made out of wood is yeah. what it looks like. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, Britannomyces could survive some cleaning re- regimes. Yeah. That doesn't sound right. Does nah, it? it should be regimens. Okay. <laughs> That's a typo. <laughs> sorry. Britann- <laughs> sorry, my typing is bad. Yeah. <laughs> it, it took over. This, yeah. It was an angry regime. It <laughs> <Right>. overthrew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Celebiose. Celebiose. <laughs> Anyone? Any uh, assistance? I don't know. I'm, I might just stick with Celebios, but I don't. I don't know that one for sure. Okay. Known for crafting excellent Belgian-inspired beer, <laughs> and maybe this. Maybe I drink a few too many beers. Too many. You want to go IPAs. back and do my section from earlier? No, yeah. you did great. You did great. <laughs> okay. I, I want you to do that section. I no, want to hear it. No, no, no. Okay, let me start over.